And so today we continue our journey as we look at places where moments that God showed up and changed the course of history and had his way in the hopes that we as well can have a moment where God shows up. And so I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now we know that the children of Israel were in bondage after the Abraham was promised this, that there would be a people and they would have a place that uh, all looked lost until Moses was called on the backside of the desert. And then he brought the people of Israel out. And even in these last few weeks, we talked about Joseph and what he had to do to prepare himself for the victory at Jericho. And so the victory was won and they now had a land. It wasn't too long after that before the children of Israel cried out, we want a king like the other countries or the other people around us. And God said, I want to be your sovereign. I want to be your king. You are a unique people on the face of this earth. And no, the people didn't, they said, we don't care what happens with the king and all that. We want a king. And God second their, their motion and let them have a king. And so uh, Saul became king. And Saul, by the way, that would have been our sermon right there. That would have been good enough to come this morning right there. God will second your, if you want to go your own way, if you want to do things your way, he will not, you're not a puppet. You will be allowed to go your own way. But now as the people of God, they have a king. And Saul once was a very modest man. He was great and mighty warrior, but he also disobeyed the Lord and he lied about his disobedience. And Saul is rejected by God and he's rejected by Samuel. So he is going uh, to lose his dynasty. He's gonna lose his character. He's losing his throne and, and crown. He lost a very godly friend in Samuel. And when David gets on the scene, as we know the story, we know that David becomes king after Saul, but on the way he will lose self, Saul will completely lose self-control as well as his own life. And so we pick up this story after Saul's disobedience. And we're gonna read the first seven verses of chapter 16. I just, something stirred within me about this little part of the story. The Lord said to Samuel, who is the prophet, the man of God, whom God has called to be the spiritual leader to Saul. And he says to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. There's three things right there. How long you will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him. Fill your horn with oil and go. 
I have provided for myself a king. That's the outline, really, to the whole shooting match right here. Verse 2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for, for me him whom I declare to you. Well, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him and they were trembling and they say, do you come peaceably? They are scared because he's such a high ranking, highly esteemed person. What are you doing here? Is what they're saying. Are we in trouble? Do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab, the guy that looked like the linebacker. And he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. He's talking about Eliab. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Uh, fresh out of college, I worked for a singer-songwriter and it was very important for me to be in rhythm with Smitty. Uh, I was the only employee at the company. So it was just he and I. And so staying in rhythm was important. If we, he was working on an album, I was working on an album. If he was on tour, I was holding down the fort. If in fact, uh, we were being audited by the IRS, Guess who was taking care of that? I had to make sure that we took care of that. It was important for me to stay in rhythm with what he said. That was good preparation for me to be in ministry because as I went into the ministry, I was not the senior pastor. I was the youth guy when I first started in ministry. And so it was important for me to know what the pastor thought and what he thought was important for me to do. And then over the years, I became an associate pastor and I started preaching more and I started doing more, a variety of different things. But it was always very important for me to be in rhythm with the senior pastor so that I was staying in lockstep with what I felt like God was doing. When you catch God's rhythm, you walk with him. And Samuel had broken rhythm and was weeping over a man that God was not weeping over anymore. Samuel is weeping over Saul. Saul has been disobedient. He has lied about it. And God has now moved on. 
God makes changes. He's quick to decide, and he is on the move. And it was important for Samuel to stay with God. All that is same is true for us today. Everybody here. It's important that you stay in rhythm with God because God is quick to decide and God is on the move and you can't stay where you are and follow God. I'm gonna say that again. Henry Blackaby said that about 25, 30 years ago. You can't stay where you are and follow God. Now, some of you are like, well, Captain Obvious, what is wrong with you? Of course you can't stay and go at the same time. If you are where you were 20 years ago, spiritually, I'm here to try my best to persuade you that God is on the move. Yesterday ended last night. And God is on the move in this situation, and Samuel is still grieving over Saul. When God moves, God moves. Folks, the day that you pull the rose, it's dead. It might take a while, but it's going to die. He told Adam and Eve, surely you will die. They didn't die right then, but death became a part of this world. And God says in this situation where Samuel's lingering in his past, what does he say? to Samuel. What does God say to Samuel? He says, fill your horn and go. Go where I'm now moving. Go where it's flowing. Go with the flow. The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. That's what I want you to hear today. I want you to hear that. You need to fill your horn with oil and be on your way. You might say, well, what is this oil thing and what's the anointing? He's taking, fill your horn, he's going and he's supposed to anoint the new king. What is this anointing? What is this oil? Well, I, I, at the, I, just several things. First of all, there's sort of an ordinary anointing and that is that you would, ha, would mark the respect for someone and uh, paid by a host that would come to their house. This is found in Luke uh, chapter seven. We see it also in a Psalm 23, five, where it's mentioned, you anoint my head with oil. Also, there's an official side of this, and these are the three offices in Israel, and that is that you can be anointed to be king, you can be anointed to be prophet, and you can be anointed to be a, a priest. And so there's an anointing and it's a setting apart. It's God's presence, God's call is on you. There's an official kind of, this is the way it is kind of thing. There's also an anointing with oil prescribed in the New Testament in the book of James chapter five, verse 14, where it says, if any one of you are sick, if there's any sick amongst you, approach the elders, they will anoint you with oil. And, and that should, that's the way it should be handled. Now, what I want you to grab a hold of is the anointing that we live in because of who Jesus Christ, the promised one from the Old Testament, 
Yeshua Messiah, the one who was promised in the Old Testament, who came and lived and who we know his life, we know his teaching. He lived in full, but his mission was to give his life for the ransom of many, and that was us. And so he was crucified and he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from again. And he not only rose from the dead, but he also appeared to his disciples and he taught them. And then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the power. And the Holy Spirit was sent. And the Holy Spirit comes and he anoints us. He empowers us. The anointing is the presence and the power of God. And so, God said, fill your horn with oil and go. God is still on the throne and he is on the move. There are some things here today in your past and it's over for them. But the devil is still talking smack. That thing that you're trying to get past, it's still talking smack to you and saying, you're never going to, you, you're going to church now. Who are you kidding? You're, 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 still, you're still not what you ought to be. You still sin. And the devil and even the thing, some of you here today, might be that, that alcoholism, that alcohol is talking smack to you and saying, look at you, you still drink. Who do you think you are? You're still a loser. And that's your past talking to you and saying to you, and it's still sitting there gabbing on the throne. It's still on the throne. I want you to know don't linger in that. Don't listen to that. Fill your horn with oil and go. Don't linger in the past. That may take a while. It may take a while for it to get in your past. It may take a while to get through it. You may need some help from some people to get you through that thing. But you got to fill your horn with oil and go. When God says a thing is done, Saul, that's enough. When he says a thing is done, it's done. Drinking, it's dead. Oh, I, gossip has always just thrilled me and it always makes me feel better if I can just get some things off my chip. Ah, that's gotta be done. All that, the discouragement that I, I kind of naturally kind of feel, I gotta be done with that. It might take a while. It's over. Stop crying about it. It's over. Take your horn and fill it and be on your way. Now get this. Here I'm saying all this while Saul is sitting on the throne. Saul is still sitting on the throne. And, and, and Samuel says to him straight up, he says, uh, haven't you heard the, the king, he don't mess around. He'll kill me. I mean, if I go on my way and I anoint somebody else's king, I mean, this is a... What are you telling me to do? God is going to anoint your future while your past is setting on the throne. There's anointing on your life and God will decrease one area and he will increase another. And I wanna tell you this morning, 
I just want to say this from my own personal experience, just my own personal experience. And I know that you may think I'm being hyperbolic. I'm not being hyperbolic. My wife would testify to this. There are people in my life, Bob Yarber, there are people over the years that have known me. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, not only when I gave my life to the Lord, but I didn't have a clue as to what God wanted me to do and how he wanted me to do it. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I just didn't know. But you know, my past was still on the throne. But God was calling me to a future. And there are a lot of days I still hear the Saul's on the throne. I still am like, oh, who am I kidding? I'm just a kid from Wayne County, West Virginia, the son of a steel worker. My mom was, worked at Terminex. Uh, nobody really you know, taught me much when I was growing up. Who, who are you kidding? You know, and I want to encourage you today that God has a call on your life. And whenever that past comes up and when sin comes up, I just want to encourage you today, confess it and move on. Confess that sin, move on. Get in the word, walk in the spirit, pray, spend time with the Lord, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. And there are three things I think we can learn from this situation where Saul is on the throne, Samuel is being spoken to by the Lord. There are some things that we can learn from just these small verses that I believe are important for all of us if we're gonna be on our way. The first one is this, learn the importance of discretion. Learn the importance of discretion. There is a strategy going on here. There is some discretion. Now, what does discretion mean? What do you think I mean? It's the quality of behaving or speaking in such a way as to avoid causing offense or revealing private information. Specifically for Samuel, it is this private information. He says, okay, what am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to go? Saul will kill me. And the Lord tells Samuel, be discreet. See, God's, listen, God is going to put some things in your life. He put some things in my life early on that were confidential. Nobody else knew about. There were some things that I dreamed, some things that God put inside of me. He didn't put them inside of anybody else, just me. And there were some things that I was believing and they were classified. Nobody else got into those files of what God was calling me to. And God's gonna give you some things in your life. Be discreet. Don't throw it everywhere. Talk about it everywhere. Let it loose everywhere. Use discretion. Saul don't know it yet, but it's over. He doesn't know it. Tell Saul you're going to worship. See, here's the thing, and this is, I'm, I'm gonna be bold in saying this. You don't have to tell people everything, folks. I know that's the way it feels because we have this sense of like, not only do I need to actually talk to people, but I also need to tell all the people who are following me on Instagram. I need to tell everybody. I gotta make that a part of my story. You have to tell people everything, folks. Be wise. You talk too much. I'm gonna be bold enough to say that. And the reason I'm saying that is because I had, well, first of all, my wife tells me that all, you know, she reminds me when I need to be reminded. But there's also a more objective point of view because she's with me all the time and she knows me. She knows what I need to hear. 
But Bob Yaberg, I'll never forget, I was at sunrise and I was sitting down in the youth room and I just would meet with him, be mentoring, you know, like, it's like Yoda, you're sitting there. Yes, just speak to me, Yoda, please, just tell me what I need to know. I'm the young one who needs to know. And Bob is speaking to me, and I, but I'm sitting there telling him, oh, you know, I don't know. I just can't tell Bob it's the Lord and what he wants me. And Bob, I just don't know. And you know what, it's just not this. And you know, Bob, I just think about it. And how do you know, Bob? And he said, Johnny, you don't listen. And I said, well, how do you know, Bob? And he said, wait just a second. Johnny, you talk too much. You need to be quiet. Number two, you don't listen. I thought about this this week because I, this past week I was working on this sermon. I've been thinking about this sermon for a little bit. And uh, so I've been working on this sermon, and Sherry and I had planned to go to West Virginia this past Monday. And we did go to West Virginia early on Monday morning. We were right behind you, 5.30 on Monday. We, we were going to go. Our plans were that we would go to see you guys on Tuesday, about an hour and a half from my parents' house. There was just so much going on there. There was just no way for us to pull away. So it was just, we had our own little mini missions trip this past week. We, we, we got back on Wednesday evening. And we got back. So I had not worked on the sermon at all. I hadn't even, hardly even thought about it. So I get back on Wednesday night. So I come in on Thursday morning to the office with the main objective is I am going to work on my sermon. Shut the door. Here we go. So I go into the morning with three and a half pages of notes. I think, okay, I got a good start. I got to clean this up. So by noon, I had six and a half pages of notes. And I came to this point. And I thought, Johnny, you talk too much. You just, what's wrong with you? Get the three and a half pages back. Here's the thing. Proverbs chapter two, verse 11 says it well. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. Here's something that's pretty brazen. The Bible says this in chapter 11 of Proverbs. Verse 22, as a ring of gold in a swine's snout, snout. So like putting a ring in a pig's nose, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. I don't take that as sexist. What it's meaning is if, you, if you're a believer and you walk, if you can't have discretion in your life, that's an ugly thing. Have discretion. So here's your prayer. It's very simple. Lord, tell me what to say. Lord, anoint me. Give me your presence and power to be able to know what to say. Lord, tell me what to say. Lord, with my son or my daughter as a parent, Lord, tell me what to say. Have some discretion. Lord, tell me what to say. To today, to my, my wife, to my husband, Lord, tell me what to say. In my family, in, in my life, in, in my, Lord, teach me what to say. Give me discretion. Second thing is this, because you gotta go with your anointed future. Oh, you can link, but learn how to be discreet. Secondly is this, if you're gonna go with your anointed future, you gotta learn how to move with God. Learn how to discern. Discernment. Only the horn, only the presence of God, only God knows. I have to learn that I can't just trust in people and that includes my own emotions and just my own feelings and my own 
private thoughts. I have to get some truth in my thoughts in order for my thoughts not to just go astray. And so, be selective, be discerning. Because in life, there are lots of different kinds of decisions. Many of life's decisions are moral. They are, they're right or wrong. Like for example, the Lord says, do not give false testimony. Well, the Lord's will is not for me. It's not, I know that the Lord's will for me is not to lie. I know that. So there are some decisions that are moral. Then there's a lot of stuff in life that is wise, that are wise. It's not black or white. Should I stay up until 1.30 on Sunday night before we leave to go to West Virginia? Is it a sin to stay up till 1.30? No, it's not a sin, but it's not wise. And there are a lot of life decisions. Learn how to discern wisdom. Learn how to ask that question, is this the wise thing to do? And then there are spiritual discernment. There are leadings that the Lord is doing. There are some things that are happening in your life. You have to start learning to discern what's going on. And, and let me tell you something. I wrote in there the purpose of discernment, and that is for you to be discerning. Th- there's a purpose for this discernment. I wrote them down. The act, uh, to, it acts, discernment acts as a means to, of protection guarding us from being deceived spiritually. I mean, there's every kind of wind of our own impulses, but also other people and what everybody else is saying. And we can become numb if we're not discerning and it protects as a guard for us being deceived, just going along with the culture without even thinking about it. Discern. Is this a good, this is kind of slippery slope, isn't it? I know it's not a sin, but you know, you shouldn't really talk like that maybe. Second. Discernment also acts as an instrument of healing when exercised in grace. That's what Bob Yaberg was doing in my life. He was discerning in me, I talk too much and I don't listen. It can act as a instrument of healing in our lives if it is exercised, if it has that ability, there's an ability within discernment to that for us, People have that ability to diagnose spiritual needs in others that really are remarkable. Here's the third thing. Discernment functions as a key to Christian freedom. A zealous, very excited, undiscerning Christian, you can become enslaved to other people. You can become enslaved or maybe act out of your own uneducated conscience or to an unbiblical pattern of life and go down the wrong road. You gotta have discernment. Lastly, discernment serves as a catalyst to spiritual growth. Look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse six. The mocker seeks wisdom and finds none. Somebody who is foolish and even mocks wisdom. They look for it and they can't find it. But knowledge comes easily to the discerning. To a person who tries to be discerning, rightly dividing all these things. Here's a good prayer for all of us. Psalm 119, verse 25. I am your servant, give me discernment. Let's all pray that together. I am your servant, give me discernment. Let's say it again. I am your servant, give me discernment. That's a good prayer. And that leads me to this. 
because uh, Bob once time told me, he said, uh, I didn't understand this for a long time, so he had to kind of explain it to me later. He always said, quiet waters run deep. I'd never heard that when I was growing up. But he said, quiet waters run deep. And then I finally got it. Oh, yeah, yeah, whenever you, you see a stream and there's rocks, it's real shallow. Oh, it's noisy. Yeah, you love the noise. It's like you go to bed with the noise, you know what I'm saying? But you go along a river, a big body of water, a big creek that's deep, it makes no noise. If we're going to grow, we're all gonna have to be a little deeper. Here's the third thing, learn how to live on a deeper level. Learn how to scrutinize, to examine, to inspect, to look at something thoroughly. Look at things through the lens of the Bible and think about how God sees things in your everyday ordinary life. Fill your horn with oil and go. Be, don't go, don't just try to say I'm gonna do better. Fill the horn with oil and be on your way. Know that the word of God will equip you to live. And I wanna tell you, a pastor many, many years ago said this, when you see as God sees, you will do as God says. Students, listen to me on this. When you see as God sees, you will do as God says. You're much more likely. Don't take everything. Learn how to scrutinize. Don't take everything just at face value. Be open. Uh, All so many of us, we live on the appearance of things. We, we live in that. That's, that's, that's our pursuit. We, we want things to look, you know. Some of you are living your whole life based on looks, how it will look if I do it, how it makes me look, how I look or live based on how other people look. But I want to encourage you today, grow deeper. I remember one time, well, Sherry and I have had this occasion several times. Not too long ago, this is a little bit back, Sherry and I are sitting in my office with a dear friend. She has been married for a couple of, de- a couple of decades and she uh, wants a divorce. So we are talking to her and we are telling her, this is not the answer. There's someone else involved. She's ready to be happy. She wants what she wants. I have grown old enough to try to, first of all, not take it flippantly that that life is complex. So don't hear me just simply just kind of brush this off. But I want you to know as I sat there, I told her, I said, I know with 100% certainty what the will of God is. Do you know what the will of God is? She said, no. I said, I know what God's will is. God's will is for you to be married. I've had to have that conversation even with family members. That's not an easy conversation. And I'm not here to beat anybody up about divorce. Everybody who's ever been through divorce, they also hate divorce too. It's not, if you're gonna go and you're going to follow and fill your horn with oil, you gotta grow to a deeper level. You cannot be just shallow. You gotta go deeper. And sometimes, listen, you know why we've lasted for 30 years? 
You know why? Because both of us have made choices that were hard. There has been a lot of sacrifice. She has put, had to put up a lot with me. She's had to grin and bear it. She's had to overcome. She's had to do that. She had to go to a deeper level. And it's the way it is in our lives. How long will you linger in your past? I want to encourage you. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way today. Learn the importance of discretion. Learn how to move with God. Learn to go to live on a deeper level. Learn how to scrutinize. Look deeper to live deeper. And if you're here today and you want to turn your situation into a sanctuary and you want to be a person who says, I don't want to live in my past, I want you to just pray about that today, right now. I want Holly to minister. I want you to reflect on that and think about that. I want us to consider God's calling you out of your, even while your past is still on the throne, he's calling you. Will you listen to him?